I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and at the moment we're doing things slightly differently because of the epidemic. We're chatting to people about mental health and well, the weird situation that we find ourselves in. Today I'm going to be chatting to Julia Bainbridge. She is a writer, editor and the creator of the Lonely Hour podcast. We're going to be chatting about connections, human connections and whether or not loneliness is actually a problem. Why did I start the show? This was before I launched in 2016. This was like before Vivek Murthy, the former U.S. Surgeon General, uh, you know, said there was a loneliness epidemic. It was before the Cigna report on the loneliness epidemic. So um, to be honest, since all that stuff has come on, sometimes I think, should I should I change the way I make the show um, and try to tackle some of this chronic loneliness in some way? But that hasn't been how I've gone about the show. I worry about some of the changes in the ways that we're living and we can discuss that. But my approach with the show really has been to help listeners understand how normal loneliness is. I kind of decided it wasn't something I wanted to put in the problem box. I think we're often reluctant to talk about loneliness because we're part of this problem solving oriented culture and we feel that loneliness can't be fixed, but it's really central to the human experience. And my, so my approach has been to talk openly about it, kind of cataloging people's experiences with it in a narrative-driven format in hopes of destigmatizing it, really. And maybe that will soften the blow of the feeling, which really is an inevitable one, mm. or at least make people feel less alone. Like, I guess, you know, could feeling lonely be a communal thing? That's what it is, and that everyone feels it at times. And so could I represent this truth through storytelling? Could I put this thing into small, this big thing 
into small approachable packages. And there even be joy and humor in the mix as it's true to life as well. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, it's certainly evolved, hasn't it? At the times we're living in at the moment, there must be a lot of people sort of wanting answers around loneliness or looking for someone to talk to about loneliness. Have you seen sort of like a quite a sharp increase in listeners because because of the times we're living in? I have seen a bit of increase, yeah. Um, and I know that my listeners who I'm very lucky are really engaged with me uh, when this started, y- yes, were <laughs> came knocking on my door like, where are you? <laughs> you know, we need you in these times. I think because my approach hasn't necessarily been about combating loneliness, I struggled with what to give people right now, because certainly people are feeling a, a problematic kind of loneliness. And we don't know exactly when we're going to be out of this isolation. And it's it's um, we're we're hardwired for connection as a species. Right. So this definitely um, is hard. And I worry a lot about kind of the, the the long tail this will have. Right. The mental health issues that we will see coming out of this time mm-hmm. that, you know, an episode on seven ways to combat loneliness wouldn't really be true to the DNA of this show. Um, but I did mm-hmm. feel that I had to give people something to help. So the first episode in this mini season, if you will, uh, kind of breaks from format in that, you know, there are interviews with um, psychologists and one in particular who focuses on anxiety. And there were just different segments, different interviews, giving people book recommendations. You know, there were there were sort of light and heavy moments in the mix, but uh, and it was a bulkier episode than I normally make. Um, but I felt that it was important to kick off this miniseries that way. The following episodes are kind of truer to the lonely hour in that they are kind of there, there's a narrative, there's an arc, and it's one person kind of owns each episode and comes on to basically um, have a they recorded diaries in, in isolation. But also, uh, I'm also making this a little differently, because it would be great to represent, I guess what I'm trying to say, a an array of experiences. And by that, I mean, I'm very curious what day to day life is like right now for people living below the poverty line. Or, you know, I would love to being someone in my day job who's so closely connected to the restaurant industry. I'd love to uh, show my listeners what it's like for chefs and, and owners of restaurants right now. I mean, that industry has been so hard hit. But I did feel that I couldn't really ask people to give up their time right now um, when everybody's in such distress. And so the people who I went to for this mini series are all people who are connected to me in some way. Um, my father was on an mm. episode. I have a, a friend and sort of sometime lover <laughs> who that episode went out last night. And that was kind of about touch and, and single life and isolation. So as a host, I guess, through the guests I've chosen, and because they're all close to me, I guess I'm showing a little bit more of of myself in this series as well, even though it's the show is never about me. But in a way, they have liked getting a little closer to their host through through the way I'm making this miniseries. It's interesting you mentioned there about, you know, getting in touch with a guy and talking about skin hunger. Can you tell us a a little bit more about sort of what that is? uh, Because it's a fascinating sort of concept. And it's, do you think that there's something that a lot of people will be dealing with um, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's basically people missing human touch, right? Um, And I'm not really sure how how exactly it operates, but it's 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 touch starvation, right? And and it is known Mm. to cause depression, and anxiety and even insomnia. So I think people sometimes try to combat it by 
attempting to recreate the sensation of touch by wrapping themselves up in blankets or taking long baths. Um, but again, mm. I mean, we are so deeply biologically wired for connection and physical touch, uh, even platonic, you know, with friends, this isn't necessarily sexual or in a romantic context. Um, this lights up parts of our brains that make us feel good, right? It releases the the love hormone. And mm. this ultimately is essential for our kind of fitness. Um, you know, it helps prevent disease. It has something to do with like white blood cell counts. Um, it's so funny that the thing that keeps us fit normally is the thing that we can't have right now that will hurt us, right? Mm. So touch is very important to humans and not having it for a long period of time. Yes, one could argue is, is dangerous, but I, I believe that there are some ways to try to recreate it. And I spoke to one psychologist who said that it's important to schedule even in your schedule right now, the kinds of activities that make you feel good, right? So maybe we can't have physical touch and there really is no stand in for that. Um, but what are even guilty pleasures that might give you that same release of oxytocin in the brain, maybe not necessarily oxytocin, but just like things that will keep your spirits up, basically, for lack of a, a more scientific term. Um, is that mm. baking? Is that a silly reality TV show? Even if it's a guilty pleasure, really be intentional about scheduling that in because um, we need to kind of counteract the lack of all the good things that human contact gives us. Does that mm. make sense? It's good to know. Yeah, it does. And it's good to know that there are things that we can do because speaking as someone who's single, living alone in lockdown, I've sort of, you read about these things about sort of skinning hunger and you think, yeah, that is sort of, it's re it is really hard because I'm a hugger and I miss sort of like m massages or all that sort of st stuff. And then you read about it and you just think, oh, but what am I meant to do now at the moment? So it's nice that there are things that you can do. And I think probably for lots of people, like you say, there'll be all kinds of different things, whether it's baking or for me, it would be sort of dancing or singing or something. And yeah, and now might be a time to experiment. I'm I'm single too. Uh, I don't know if this will like shock your listeners. <laughs> Hopefully not. Oh, nothing shocks our listeners. <laughs> I mean, if we are talking about touch in a in a sexual you know context, obviously, if you're single, you can't have that. But what about experimenting with forms of kind of sex and connection that you maybe wouldn't otherwise? Um, I definitely have been. Mm -hmm. I, let's let's say polishing my skills around phone sex. <laughs> For those of us who have the privilege of being safe and at home, I think that there are um, some opportunities that this um, is giving us. Not that I want to try to romanticize this horrible mm. situation. No, not at but. all. But like you're right, you know, it doesn't hurt to sort of think what maybe are sort of some of the silver linings. If we if we can find them, I don't think that hurts at all. What I really loved um, you were saying at the start of all this is um, you started the podcast and you were really looking about um, – embracing the idea of being um, on your own or almost embracing the idea of, of loneliness. What have you learned so far from doing the podcast about, about achieving that? It's funny. I think a lot of people assume because I make this show that I have some kind of rock bottom experience with loneliness um, or that I'm a particularly lonely person, which is not the case. Like I'm quite a social person. And I think I I, I'm not, I think I've always been pretty comfortable with loneliness. I'm social, but I also really need my alone time. So, you know, there's this di distinction, of course, there between, you know, alone is a state. Lonely is uh, is a sad feeling over that state, right? Loneliness has to do with perception. Um, and then there's solitude, mm -hmm. uh, you know, another corner of aloneness that has a more positive bent, right? Um, and so I'm saying I even am comfortable with loneliness, which, you know, I, I, I sort of... Uh, I'm not saying I'm superior in, in some kind of way. I just, for whatever reason, the culture of my home, I'm not really sure. I just have been um, 
I have been comfortable yeah. with, with, with it. Yeah. And I think that partly I wanted to make the show because I recognize that other people aren't. And it makes sense that we aren't, again, we're wired to like be a part of a pack. I mean, this, this is, goes back to our days as hunter gatherers, right? I mean, it's, it was a survival mechanism to, you know, feel a pang of, of sadness if you strayed from the pack. Right. Um, and if you didn't stay with the pack, that might mean your life, right? There are some great philosophers and writers have helped underscore the merits of loneliness. Poet and philosopher David White, uh, he has this way of inverting the common understanding of something to real reveal a deeper, often kind of counterintuitive meaning. Um, and he talks about loneliness as a doorway to becoming. I think, you know, it's quite often it's a, a difficult and vulnerable doorway and one you don't want to go through, but one that's kind of simplifying our life and bringing us down to a foundational understanding of what is the simplest thing we want and need in life. So he would say, uh, try to see it as a foundation for understanding yourself of of stepping off from it, you know, and I would say that this is true. The examples on the show, like loneliness really told people where they needed to go. And so I guess that's another maybe silver lining I see in this time again for those of us who are safe and at home. Maybe this time alone and even even, you know, the, the lonely times can be a taking stock, you know? Um, maybe this do you in your usual life feel lonely? How might you want to live differently when we emerge from this? I think this this disruption and this sitting with ourselves, however uncomfortable, can help us reckon with parts of ourselves. And I think there's definitely something to be said for kind of acknowledging when you're lonely rather than sort of fighting against it. Because, you know, if you sort of know in the back of your head you're sort of feeling bad, but you're sort of, you don't want to accept it or you don't want to sort of acknowledge that you're lonely, it then sort of prevents you almost from sort of saying to people that you are feeling lonely and that sort of then sort of stops you from potentially feeling better. Because I think, yeah, there's a there's a lot of truth to that sort of maybe embracing it or at least ex- sort of accepting it rather than um, sort of feeling that it's sort of something that you want to sort of deny isn't sort of happening. You won't win, you know, <laughs> it's your loneliness is part of the human condition. It's, it's something we're wired with. And, and so I guess that's the mission of the show is, is like, you're not alone in this. And in fact, there, are, you know, each guest, as I say, there's, there's joy and laughter in each episode. Um, and, and these are, you know, happy, successful people who, um, also feel lonely at times. And I guess that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I think with this, with the storytelling, you know, the, the show has evolved to be, well, it's evolving all the time, right? I mean, I, it's, it's my show and it's an independent operation and I can do with it what I want. So, so I, I experiment often with, um, little mini series or, or playing with things, but really, you know, the, 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 the way I make the show is that kind of narrative driven story of one person who comes on and kind of owns that episode. And I feel like that could go on until the end of time. You know, I could just keep cataloging people's experiences with loneliness and aloneness and, and the message stays simple and the same, which is, this is part of the mixed bag of what it is to be human. You mentioned in there sort of slightly earlier about sort of life after lockdown. Um, and you sort of mentioned how people could maybe think about how they might want to change their life um, in terms of making more connections. But do you think people will struggle to connect in the same way that they did before lockdown? It's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have all kinds of worries. <laughs> it, it's who knows? I, I, I can't anticipate what's going to happen. But I do think that the things that were knocking around in my brain for a while that led me to want to explore loneliness, I don't think will have changed because of this necessarily. I mean, it was it was modern life, right? Urbanization, 
a declining birth rate, a high divorce rate, the replacement of the traditional multi-generational family with the nuclear family. I, I just think also culturally, I mean, this answer is going to get lengthy and it's going to get weird. <laughs> but I mean, I think I think a lot more has to do with loneliness than uh, I think how we idealize individualism and independence and honestly, capitalism, <laughs> you know, like these these are the drivers of large scale loneliness. I think exceptionalism, too, you know, in this country and, and in yours, I think we have this this focus on improvement, right? And forward motion. Many of us have mm. this impression that we need to be extraordinary, right? We we work, work, work to prove our worth to others and to ourselves, and we're never really satisfied. And and that often leads to mental unwellness. But what if mediocrity wasn't a dirty word? <laughs> you know, what would it look like if we valued the simple quiet life more highly? I think we'd be happier. And this seems unrelated, but I really do think the agony that people can feel over their mediocrity is a kind of loneliness, not feeling worthy, not feeling seen for worthiness, right? Um, and I don't, it remains to be seen if any of those will change because of this whole thing, but I don't, they're pretty foundational. They're pretty, they're pretty, you know, deeply ingrained into, into how we do things and, and the lens through which we look at the world. So, um, I do think that, 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 um, I, I worry about that on, on top of it. I worry about our, um, fear of being close after this, you know, um, physically, mm. right. Um, I think you're going to see two things. You're going to see some people just be released from their homes and and just want to touch everything and everyone <laughs> since they <laughs> haven't had any of that for so long. Um, and then I think you'll have mm. a lot of people who do the opposite. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I suppose I've been thinking about sort of most people will, would be sort of sort of like me in that. Um, I can't really see myself because sort of being a single person, I was talking to friends about dating the other day and we were sort of joking about the fact that, because I can't see myself sort of wanting to get sort of within two metres of a man at the moment, let alone, you know, kiss him at all. And I, I, the thing is, because that's so fixed in my brain now, I don't know at what point I'll even be comfortable with being, I, I, you know, just in a in a restaurant across a table from a man, because I wouldn't be comfortable with that at the moment. And I think, you know, you've sort of, because of the epidemic, you sort of, be sort of lived with this fear for quite a while and I don't know you know like our prime minister like he could say tomorrow lockdown's over but I'm not going to go rushing into the streets hugging people even though in the past I was a hugger because there's still sort of the fear about um what could still be out there kind of sad for me to think about because like I said I was quite a sort of tactile person before but I don't know at what what point I'll get that back or I mean, I guess I'm a bit worried I won't ever get that back. Yeah, first of all, I mean, what you say definitely resonates. And I, I have to say, I look back on my life before this and how, which is, I've had a pretty like robust dating and sex life. And and I <laughs> just think about how casual I've been with my body. <laughs> and yeah, um, well, me too. Yeah, I definitely, I think through this lens, I'm judging my, <laughs> my whole self maybe. But I also, yeah, I feel lucky that I was, that I, that I, um, I, I guess I, I have had rich experiences, right? <laughs> it sounds like maybe you have too, and, and I wouldn't want that to go away. But um, I feel so disconnected from the rest of the city. And this is a city, you know, life here is, it happens on the streets, right? That's what I mm. love about being a New Yorker is, you know, it sounds trite, but all the magic that happens when you're bumping into other people. Mm. And, and we don't have that right now. And I also, you know, friends who live on the Upper East Side, I'm in Brooklyn, I just feel like they're in a completely different universe. You know, like we're all so every borough, every neighborhood, 
um, I think we all feel like we're in our little bubbles and really disconnected from one another. Round here, there's some kind of community projects and things like we have this thing where people are sort of painting rainbows for to say thank you to the NHS. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of things in the in the US like that that are sort of uniting people? We do this thing at 5 p.m. as well where we all clap for the NHS as well. Right, that's and that's service, happening obviously. here. Yeah, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. It's 7 o'clock here in New York. Um, there was even, speaking of how each kind of neighborhood is different, I think that, uh, was it the New York Times? I can't remember. Somebody was taking recordings of what the claps sound like in different neighborhoods, that there's kind of a different vibe, say, oh, wow. in Soho than in Harlem and... <laughs> um, um, which is, that's very interesting. Uh, yes, you know, I'm so, um, moved by those, those things that I'm seeing, which, which are many, um, both in New York, but also through the internet, right? Like just the generosity of people like, you know, various celebrity, like singers and DJs who are doing live sets, um, for free or yeah. fitness classes and things like it's really, um, it's, it's yeah, pretty absolutely. beautiful to see. Yeah. Yeah, and right across the scale as well, because like I say, that sort of you've seen sort of top DJs and sort of mega star sort of singers doing these concerts and things, but also you just sort of see people like you sort of know through a friend doing um, like a, a pub quiz on the internet on a on a Friday night, and I think that sort of stuff is really nice as well. That sort of people are coming up with things like that. Yeah, and I, I'm seeing some people like share food with one another, um, you know, swap baked goods and and whatnot in this way that feels like it's from another time. I have a a, a friend, um, Jordana, who lives in upstate New York, and she was just telling me about some neighbors who dropped off a like a like a casserole basically. It feels so 50s. I mean I think it was a lasagna, oh. right? In the in a big dish. And she mm. and her um partner ate it and then when they returned the dish clean, they had baked a little loaf and put that in there and you know left it at the people's house, which just feels so quaint um mm. and lovely. And my friend Kim also who lives in um Detroit, she's a, a single woman. She's going to be the subject of an upcoming episode that actually has to do with food. But um, she's befriended a neighbor, another single woman who lives across the street. And um, Kim will say, roast a chicken and split it in half and and wrap it up and put it on the porch. And her friend will cross the street and come, you know, grab it. And they say hello through the screen. And while it's a little sad, because of course, we can't, you know, gather around the table and share those things with each other in person, and they have to, you know, speak to each other through a sheet, basically. Um, I, I am impressed with the the human drive to connect and, and people are finding ways to do uh, the best, you know, with what we have. And I think it's, it's, moving to hear those stories and and see all this activity yeah it's really lovely people you're right though people I think across the world have got really into baking or cooking in general that's that's really nice that people are sharing like that I know I feel like such a bad you know in my day job I'm I you know write about food and I feel like a very bad food writer who hasn't (laughs) actually made sourdough um (laughs) it seems like all of America is doing right now and bread makers uh are like sold out and <laughs> what about banana bread everyone seems to be making banana bread here oh yeah that's that's easy enough I can handle that I'm not really a baker I have to admit <laughs> but um <laughs> so I'd like to go back to sort of one of the things we were talking about slightly earlier which is about the idea of embracing loneliness because this is something I think a lot of people might be struggling with do you have any tips or advice for people at the moment Again, loneliness is subjective, right? It's it's a feeling. It's a feeling that we don't have enough social connection in our life. And, you know, isolation by comparison is an ad- objective measure of, of how many people we have around us. But um, loneliness is a, is a feeling and that matters. Um, but I do think perhaps the knowledge that it has to do with perception means that we could try to do some work in this time to, to rewire that thinking, 
right? And to mm-hmm. like like David White does to 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 you know invert this common understanding to maybe to maybe try to see loneliness as maybe not if not a gift, just to try to see see its merits and to use this time, which is so unusual, um, to kind of lean into that and see what it might tell you about yourself. Mm. I also think just, I mean, not to plug my show, but you could listen to the show for sure. <laughs> and, and perhaps feel less alone um, by hearing other people talk about it, by hearing other people share how they're dealing with this time. Um, episode features Pollyanna McIntosh, who's an actress in LA, who's just uh, such a joy to listen to because she's entertaining and has a great deep voice. And she's Scottish as well. We Americans love love to hear an accent. Um, so it's very entertaining. Um, but her episode is all about joy and finding moments of, of uh, joy right now. And, um, one of those, she kind of became a guide for me, just listening to her tape, just hearing the little things that raised her spirits. Like she took her dog for a walk and passed a woman who was wearing some kind of, some kind of odd sandal that was in the shape of a, of a red snapper. She bought them in Japan and, and uh, clearly Polly was delighted by them because she had such a vivid description of these shoes. And she said, I don't know, that just really put, that just really gave me a laugh. And I, these shoes were just silly. uh, And that really added to my day. And so I think just doing your best to seek out those moments um, Mm. and try to let them sustain you. You know, what's great about your podcast, though, is it if it's people sort of talking about loneliness, I think for people listening, it's just nice for others to sort of realize that other people get lonely because there is quite a bit of stigma stigma around the idea, isn't there? I mean, about sort of just, yeah, I mean, I think that there can be stigma around the idea of being lonely and accepting that you're lonely or that, you know, it's, it's a really difficult sort of cycle almost, isn't it? Because you can feel lonely and then be kind of embarrassed or shy about it and not want to talk to people. And then it's sort of even worse because you're not talking to people. Yes, I think you're, I think you're right. I think another piece of advice, if, if you can, I mean, again, I know that there's this taboo around loneliness. I mean, I, I remember even myself, the first time a friend years ago said to me, I, I remember she bought a, a dog um, and I never thought of her as a dog person, as an animal person. And I said, what encouraged you to get this dog? And she said, I'm just, I'm so lonely. And I need a companion. And it just like hit like a brick. I was like, I don't know that I've ever heard a friend use that word in conversation mm. with me. And I think that's probably one of the things that then stuck around in my brain for a little while, which is why I wanted to make the show, right? And why I wanted to put lonely in the title, even though the show really does explore all corners of aloneness. Um, sure. It was really important to me to have lonely in the title because that's the thing around which there's this stigma. But it's so funny that there's a mm. stigma around it um, because we all feel it at times. Mm. And so, yeah, if you could... If you could digest that and and after digesting it, be a little more comfortable with, you know, using that term, um, I think if you can just speak to it and tell a friend you feel that way, that's that's powerful. Um, I think it'll, mm. it'll make you feel better for releasing it. But also, especially in these times where everyone's, uh, you know, compassionate and um, I don't know, everything. Certainly the Internet is looking kinder right now. You know, <laughs> I think. 
I think that people will understand. Yeah. I guess one other thing I would say, you know, I mean, I've talked a lot about instead of trying to combat these, what we perceive as these negative feelings, right? Like maybe listen to them, they tell us something. I think um, for those who can, of course, in New York, it's it's tough to get out into nature right now. And, you know, we, we need to, for those who, who do have access to nature right now, I think that that's, that's a really powerful path out of loneliness. I think, again, to refer to to David White, when he came on the show, he said, you know, he, he thinks one of the difficulties of today is we've put all our eggs in one basket, right? And that um, we we think of our having friendships with tr- simply through human forms. And yet, throughout our evolution as human beings, we've always had kind of friendships with a, uh, a multiplicity of, um, you know, we've had a friendship with the sky and, and a friendship with the summer breeze on your skin. I mean, he's a poet as well. So I know this is a bit poetic, but um, these are, you're, you're not alone. Actually, you're just not paying attention to all of these other thousands of qualities that we've actually co-evolved with over the thousands of years. I think so one of the reasons he would say we're lonely is that we've forgotten that we, we have these friendships with the ground. We have a friendship with our bodies. We um, have a friendship with the way our bodies respond to the natural world. So that's another little tidbit. I, a gem from David White that I like to share. If you've been affected by anything we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans ring on 116123. You can also email them. That address is joe at samaritans.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.